mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi. Welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. I haven't had so many things to tell people about, as you know, I really feel like the quality of gossip has suffered, not least because it's been a pandemic and we're getting older and my friends aren't really having like new relationships or indiscriminate sex the way they used to. Like there was a lot more gossip happening in comedy, a lot of juicy tea, but that's pretty much dried up as far as I can tell. There are a few things going on that have kept me satiated, a few you know, hot stories that, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. If it comes to anything, it will be public knowledge soon when, when like, new famous people start banging each other. I don't know. But currently, I don't, I can't confirm or deny any of these fun rumors. I feel like we're getting to an age where this happens in my small town, and maybe it happens in your town or your group of friends, where a lot of people got married too early. And now that they're approaching, you know, mid-30s, 40s even, their children are getting older sometimes. Like, sometimes this doesn't even happen until your 60s, 50s. People go, ugh, well, we had a life together already. We raised our kids. It's been this many years. And it turns out, I hate you in your own distilled company. Without the distractions of the children and work and this and that, I sit in a different room to you. I don't love you at all the way I used to. And let's just go marry other people. And that's fun. That is a fun second time round in people's lives. Bobby and I feel like we're on the second time round almost for both of us, even though I've never been previously married. I feel like meeting him in my late 30s again was ideal. So I don't know. If you've been married for a while and your relationship's going stale, maybe you can fix it. Maybe it's a phase. Or maybe you've just changed too much since you originally got married when you were 25 and it's time to like get single again, start mixing it up so that I can have new friends who are banging. Divorce is never easy though, especially when you're splitting assets and time with children if they're still a certain age or even if they're adults, a lot of them take it really hard. It's a really messy year. You have to invest in like understanding that you will have one absolutely shit year until the tide starts to turn and your life slowly improves. But you know what I thought was very beautiful? I mean, this doesn't sound like the the speech of someone who's just been to a wedding, but those are the things I think about when I go to weddings. And the marriage, the beautiful nuptials, the ceremony that took place yesterday between my good friend and yours, comedian Tiff Stevenson, and her gorgeous husband, Paul. By the way, 
I don't want to complain because it's not my wedding. But the officiant could not say his last name. And it's not even a difficult last name. It's Bertolotti. It looks the way it is spelled. I can't imagine the mind melt this woman would have had if if he had an ethnic surname or something that was like actually difficult to pronounce. It was in front of her and she had to say it a few times. And I really feel like as someone who has emceed, hosted, presented awards, everything else, your main job on someone's special day. And like I'm talking about a UK trucking awards, for example. These are the things that I have hosted. That is someone's special day receiving like a UK trucking award. I want to say their name properly. I don't want them to be like, wow, I've won, but well, she messed up my name. That happens a lot. That bothers me. Brings them back to childhood, like remembering the register. And oh God, remember when the kids used to call me this because mispronounced my name wrong that time. I don't want any of that to ruin their moment. But on someone's wedding, when you have been hired, and this was a nice woman, she did a good job. But I mean, babe, look, it happens to the best of us. Your mind just goes one day and you go, oh my God, I can't think of that word. But look, like take a breath, read the page again and go, ber ta la T. Oh, it's spelled like it sounds. So that distracted me slightly because I was furious on behalf of the couple, but they didn't care actually. They they laughed about it. Um, they have been together for 15 years. Tiff is so inspirational. If you haven't seen her comedy, you absolutely must. She's got loads of specials online. She has social media, Tiff Stevenson. She's doing gigs all the time. Like you can see lots of her work. She does this really special thing on Twitter and Instagram and maybe even TikTok where she writes about men the way men write about women. And she'll just be like, you know, he sprung out of bed, balls clanging together like sexy castanets. You know, she just, it's so funny. And um, her standup is hilarious and it's very feminist, very empowering political. You've seen her on Mock the Week. She um, has been on all the British panel shows, but like her thing, like many of us, because this is what informs our world experience every day is like, I think a lot of female comics are strong women who talk about inclusivity and feminism and everything else. But the difference with Tiff is in her relationship, she's always lived it. I have had relationships like almost exclusively, almost exclusively, not exclusively, bad relationships where I've been oh, just an idiot. I've chosen people who didn't value me, undermined me, were jealous of me if I had any success, like treated me literally like shit. Like well, a lot of people would not put up with what I have put up with in my life. But then on stage, I was always like, yeah, you don't have to take this and you can be strong. And I would almost project what I knew to be true and needed to hear myself in my professional life. I would try to learn from my home life that was tough uh, in my relationship or whatever. And I would communicate what I really wished someone was communicating to me because I knew what the right answer was. I just couldn't apply it to my real life. Tiff communicates that same strength and so much more, but her relationship has always backed it up. Paul is such a good guy who has treated Tiff like a princess for 15 years. I mean, I don't know if princess is the most feminist word, in this uh, context, but I mean, like, he's just great. He works in TV and um, film production and all this editing stuff, too. He did a lot of work on Backstage with Catherine Ryan, uh, which is not coming back, I heard. I don't know if that's public knowledge, but I'm probably allowed to tell you about it. I mean, what are they going to do? Double cancel it? 
It's not coming back because though a lot of people really liked it, we filmed it during the pandemic and they were double PCR testing everyone every day, the whole audience, everyone. It just costs so much money to do all of that. And then I caught COVID. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, fuck you. You're the reason it's not coming back. <laughs> um, then we had to cancel the whole last day. I'm sure insurance covered some of that, but like, I don't know. It was a really expensive, ambitious, ambitious show to make. And people liked it, but ultimately it didn't get the viewership that they hoped. So that's a shame. That's not coming back. But we move on. Something new and exciting will be going on soon. And if you haven't seen Backstage with Catherine Ryan, I really stand behind it on Amazon Prime as Prime Video, a wonderful show that showcased so many of my very good friends and comedians that I love. So you can watch that. But anyway, we love Paul. We love Tiff. They've had such a great relationship for 15 years. And then they decided to get married. And it was so nice. And I never had a proper wedding, but I've been to weddings. And when I was in relationships that made me feel unsure, I never really understood, like, why would you dress up in front of all your friends and family and say really nice things about this guy? <laughs> like, I always thought it was strange. I always imagined my own relationship going, no, I could never say Oh, you're the face I look for in a room. You support me. You lift me up. You're so wonderful. You're the person that I think about when I wake up and go to bed. I was like, I could never say that shit in front of my sisters, in front of my mom and dad. Like, they'd be laughing in my face. They'd be like, yeah, right. This guy's an asshole. So I don't know. Weddings kind of confused me for a long time. But now that I'm with someone that I really love that much, I see people standing up, looking so beautiful. Tiff looked so amazing. She had a beautiful, I know I've used the word beautiful a lot, but that was the buzzword of the day, a stunning Victoria Percival headpiece. Victoria Percival is one of my absolutely favorite British designers and her stuff, you know, there's a mixed um, price point. You can get earrings and things that are affordable. There are some headpieces that are affordable, but then there are these show-stopping bridal headpieces too that are so gorgeous. So there's something for everyone and she does sales and different things on her website and uh, Instagram. So check her out. It's not an ad. She's just a friend of mine who was the exclusive headpiece designer on The Duchess on Netflix, also never coming back. Um, she just looked amazing, stood up in front of everyone, loved Paul. You could see in their eyes, they were just this couple who were so in love after 15 years. And I don't think every couple can say that. And now I'm thinking maybe we should all be together for 15 years before we get married, then have a wedding. Also, a wedding in your 40s, and I'm nearly 40, is very relaxing because I went to all these weddings in my 20s and it was like just bonkers, like drinking and dancing and staying up so late. This was a pleasure. Beautiful ceremony in the afternoon, little chill out time, uh, dinner. They call it wedding breakfast for some reason, even though it happens at dinner time. Speeches, gorgeous little break again, reception. It was a great time. I saw lots of comedians there that I haven't seen in a long time. And Bobby and I have really been committed to doing more things socially. In other wedding news, though, if you guys care about the Beckhams slash Pelts family, Pelts meaning this billionaire girl woman <clears throat> that Brooklyn Beckham has just married, there's drama in their families. And you know I love this. I love a little bit of high-end billionaire slash celebrity gossip. It could be totally unfounded, but apparently there was a fight over the wedding dress. 
So Brooklyn Beckham, if you don't know, is the son of Victoria Beckham and David Beckham. If you're not my age, you will have forgotten all the matching denim. But they, pre-Britney and Justin, were just like the it couple of the late 90s, early noughties maybe? Or was it just late 90s? I don't know. But they would like matchy-match all the time. And it was so adorable. They were like the original Britney and Justin, the original Molly Mae and Tommy Fury, depending on what sort of celebrity cycle you're following. But anyway, their son, Brooklyn, who I cannot even believe is of marrying age, because I remember when he was born, she uh, he got married to this billionaire, Nicola. And I love it because her family has more money than his. So he's not like this big, ooh, you're Brooklyn Beckham. I mean, maybe he is because he had fame and she didn't. But I think it's a nice, evenly matched couple. And I don't know them personally, but every time I see them, I think, yeah, I'm into it. Well, Nicola told Grazia that she was under the impression Victoria was making her wedding dress up until a few days before the wedding when Victoria told Nicola's mom that her atelier was no longer available. And I think we can all relate to an incident like that. When your future mother-in-law tells your mother that her atelier is indisposed, then your mother's got to go and get one of her ateliers to fill in the gap real quick and make a dress for you. I actually love what she did. She was like, oh, don't worry, I'll just wear bespoke Valentino. And with all due respect to Victoria Beckham, the only Spice Girl that I'm not even sure knows me, all the other Spice Girls know and like me, as far as I'm concerned. I'm friendly with some more than others. Uh, But it's like, I love the Spice Girls. I grew up loving the Spice Girls. And the fact that I see them in a room and they go, hi, Catherine. I'm like, what, 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 what? Spice Girls know me? I don't know if Victoria does. And not to be a bitch about her clothing line, I I like it, but if I could wear Valentino, like I think Victoria Beckham would even say, if Victoria Beckham could wear Victoria Beckham or Valentino, you know, we're all wearing Valentino, which incidentally is also what I wore to my wedding. It's been reported that Nicola was annoyed on the big day because Victoria stole her first dance song, and that was Mark Anthony's You Sang to Me. Mark Anthony creeps me out because he's dating what I would classify as a child. And used it for the mother and groom dance. See, these are rich people problems. Like, I wanted to dance with my son. So I'm going to steal your first dance. And we're going to do that. Who Whose song is that, by the way? You sang to me? I don't even know what that song is. I can play a bit of it without getting sued. What? Not worth it, ladies. No, lame. I don't even know the words. I don't need to get to the words. I don't like that song. All right. So they were fighting about that. And then they were frosty on social media. They didn't post any pics of each other. Nicola posted loads of wedding stuff. Nothing with Victoria Beckham in it. And neither, uh, you know, interacted with each, with each other's posts for three months. And then the Beckhams went on summer holiday. They went on a yacht, a two million pound a week yacht. And Brooklyn and Nicola didn't come on that yacht. And then they were reunited at Fashion Week and everything seemed fine and they were chatting. But I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, but I should be looking out for this stuff. I mean, I am interested because now I am the mother of a perfect, wonderful baby boy. And they do say that moms and sons have a weird relationship. Not to get too Freudian about it, but maybe you do get jealous when your son gets married or you have a certain period of grief. I'm not, I I don't know. 
I mean, I definitely noticed, no offense to my sister or her husband, or definitely not my husband's family, but I thought that at my sister's wedding, Alan's dance with his mom was pretty sensual. It really was. It was boys to men, and they're good dancers in that family, but I mean, it was it was like a, you know, it was a, it was an embrace. It was like a little bit, they had hips, you know, like, I'm sorry, Alan, everyone noticed it. Or I think everyone noticed it, especially because I was the MC and I definitely drew attention to it. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, that's why everyone noticed it. I'm sorry. Maybe I should have just been more discreet, but it was, it shocked me. I won't lie. And Alan's relationship with his mom is a really good one, a really close one. But And she's a wonderful woman, but maybe she was a little bit just weirded out by letting go of her only son in a way for him to go and be someone's husband. My mother-in-law seems cool with it. I love my mother-in-law. She's the best. She takes my side all the time. Not that we have many fights, but I'm going back to teenagehood. She was always like, Bobby, do not blank this young woman. Go take her to the park and talk to her. Break her heart outside. But things are slowing down now. We are getting ready to have the baby soon. Not mega soon, but you know, like this year. And people have asked me what my birth plan is. Because if you've read my book, The Audacity, or listened to it as an audiobook, or if you've heard me talk about it on the podcast, I mean, Fred's birth was really fast. Violet's birth was uh, 13 years ago, but it was fast too. And I'd never even make it to like the consultant or the drugs or any of that. I never get any of that good stuff. And it was actually really stressful to be in the car crowning on the way to the Linda Wing, which is miles away. We drove for 40 minutes in Sunday London traffic. Bobby ran red lights. He did not get any tickets, which I don't know why. And Fred was very nearly born in the car. And that was like the worst part. It was fine still. But I mean, looking back, that was at the time really bad for Bobby, really bad for me. Probably really bad for any pedestrians or drivers who pulled up next to us at red lights. Oh, I've been banned from driving, by the way because Bobby, I mean, it doesn't hurt my feelings, but he says I have a chipmunk brain when I'm pregnant. And then last night I was demoted to mouse brain, which I think is worse. Hang on, let me just Google it. Hmm. What is smarter, a chipmunk or a mouse? Let's find out. Ooh, chipmunks are known to make homes for themselves by creating complex tunnel systems in their burrows. They can create a system of up to 30 feet long, which is evidence of their great IQ. They can also make nests in bushes and logs and only interact during the mating season. They have a complicated communication system that uses various calls, which all have different meanings. Oh, it may come as a shock that one of the most detested pests in human history, the rat or mouse, which are equally smart, I've just read, appears to share a celebrated human attribute altruism. Chicago researchers demonstrated this in 2011 by putting two rats in a cage with one free to roam about and the other locked inside a small enclosure. Of the 33 rats tested, 23 headbutted or leaned against that enclosure until it opened to free their trapped friend. Their concern for the penned up rodents lasted in a subsequent experiment when a duplicate enclosure of delicious chocolate was added to the cage. Most of the rats chose to release the prisoners before they went for the food and the animals wound up eating it together. Well, they both sound smart to me. But I have just read that mice are not picky about what they eat, along with seeds and fungi 
uh, grain, fruits, nuts, insects, worms, bird eggs. They will eat nesting birds and baby mice. Chipmunks are afraid of owls. Well, that's the same as, you know, mice, I guess. Huh. Are they afraid of humans? Yes, of course. But mice and rats are more afraid of humans than humans are of them. So they try to stay hidden. Look, what I've learned is, unsurprisingly to me, animals are all way smarter than we give them credit for. Rodents are smart. Bobby says I have a mouse brain, chipmunk brain, whatever. Those are smart animals and they think of each other's feelings and they can build good habitats. Same as me. But I am a little bit, I don't know what this baby brain thing is all about. They scientifically say, and I this might be steeped in misogyny, so bear with, that pregnant people, women, get dumber because looking after a newborn requires you to do mundane things. And if you're too clever, that will be boring to you and you won't want to look after the baby. You'll want to like go out and do something challenging. Not that looking after a baby is not challenging, but it's challenging in a different way. It requires stamina and nurturing and lots of different things that are different from other skills that you might use if you were out in the world doing something else. So I've read loads of things that say baby brain comes from parts of your brain literally getting dumber, hormones like dulling these things to help you so that you're not bored when you're in the house looking after or the cave or whatever nature thinks you are looking after this newborn during the like real cave period, which is like the first nine weeks at least, is just a lot of mundane getting up at night looking after this baby uh, every 30 minutes. So I mean, fair. I've become a worse driver both times that I've been pregnant in my relationship with Bobby. When I get to this point in my pregnancy, I don't know why, but I'm a little bit less alert. So he bans me from driving. But last night I drove home from the wedding because I'm still a great, you know, every once in a while I'm allowed to do the school run and I do drive Fred to the soft play like short distances. But what I mean is my driving has been reined in, limited. I don't drive at night and I'm not bombing around London because we want to be as careful as we can be. But last night I had to drive home from the wedding and I did a great job and the wedding was only really 25 minutes from the house. But as I thought I was doing a great job driving, a truck pulled up next to us and he goes, uh, you don't have your back lights on. And I was like, fuck. And Bobby said, yes, this is because of your mouse brain. I shouldn't have let you drive home. And like the problem is sometimes when the car is off, no keys, safe off and I still know there's going to be a Karen who reaches out and be like it doesn't matter you can't be doing this the airbag could go off whatever we do let Fred play in the car with us like if the car is off Fred loves cars he loves driving so much that I sometimes let him touch the wheel and turn the wheel around and press some of the buttons on the console and one of the things he does is switches on and off the windshield wipers and like presses those buttons so he must have turned the little handle that I have that keeps the auto lights on. So the lights were off and I didn't notice they were off. And that is really unsafe. And I don't know if I should have said that, if I can like retroactively get in trouble for that by saying it on the podcast. You never know what the papers are going to pick up and be like, Catherine Ryan with her chipmunk slash mouse brain, who are actually smarter creatures than previously assumed, but still too dumb to drive a car, drove all the way home from Camden with no lights and almost caused danger well I mean fine print that I apologize and I won't be driving again at night I'm now officially like the ban 
the ban comes in strong and now it's just strong. I don't know. I'm going to have to take the bus everywhere. Fine. I like taking the bus. Fred loves taking the bus. It's actually one of our activities that make the days fun. And I have been jam packing the days with fun because like I said, I'm home a little bit more. Fred and I have been doing cafe, park, soft play. We've been going to the farm. I'm so lucky that the stable where Violet used to keep her horse, um, they're still friendly with me, even though we no longer keep a horse there. The horse is fine. If anyone forgot, we gave him to Violet's friend because she fell off a couple times, lost her confidence. And you know, I think it's good to pursue a hobby that you love. And I think it's good to follow through on commitments. But this horse you know, I don't want to push someone to ride a horse because the reality is if you don't have the confidence, the horse can read that you both become more dangerous together. It's actually dangerous. I'm not going to force someone to do something that could actually hurt them and hurt them more the less they want to do it. And her friend needed another horse. So fine. Um, They still let us go there and they have diggers and trucks and tractors on this farm and it's just over the road. So Fred and I have just been having a ball. Um, but I digress. So the birth plan is where, how did I get onto this? Oh yeah. Bobby running red lights. Am I going to be photographed from last night driving around with my lights off on those like traffic cameras? Will I get a ticket for that retroactively? Do you think? Or is it just like if a police person catches you in the moment, they're like, why don't you have your lights on? And they breathalyze you or something. I don't know how it works. I might have a ticket coming my way. I am sorry. I'm pregnant and I won't be driving at night again. And I have to say my disdain for the police right now is just so palpable. Like I haven't been watching the Jeffrey Dahmer series because I'm against it and I'm tired of being fed all this serial killer content. I know that even though it's well made and everyone loves it and we're not glorifying the killers, yada, 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 I hear all this rhetoric. I still think it's bad. It's bad for the soul. But in commenting about it, I've received lots of letters about it. And I think a big part of it from, you know, what you guys say is the police being so inept. And that's the part of every documentary, the police just being like corrupt or inept. And like, I don't like being shown that either. It leaves me with very, very little confidence. Anyway, so I might get a ticket. I might not. With this baby, our plan, our birth plan. Now, if you are expecting a baby or you have a friend who's expecting a baby, especially if it's your first baby, they will ask you, what do you want to do? And they'll write it in a book. And you might be the type of person who needs to be very organized and you know what's coming and you've got a plan for everything. So you go, well, I'm going to get in the pool at this time. And, you know, my partner has downloaded a lot of soothing music by Chris Brown onto the Spotify list and we're going to play these songs at these moments and we're going to light incense you know whatever good for you like try your best to make it exactly everything that you want if thinking about that routine and manifesting helps you great like do whatever you need to do to feel good in this moment but just be prepared that no matter what you think is going to happen no matter how many babies you've had no matter how confident you are It could all just go to shit. Like at the last minute, your baby could decide to be breech. Uh, It could be too big. This could happen. That could happen. Your body could just not want to deliver that day. Respond badly. I don't know. You could need a C-shack. We don't care. At the end of the day, your job is to survive and get your baby out as safely as you can. 
And that is what you have to embrace, whether you like it or not. That's what I'm embracing every time I have a baby, whatever, let's come out of this alive and it's a win. And that's, you know, you think that's um, a lofty ambition in this country at the minute. I have read so many stories about like hospitals being full and people having to just the other day, there was a story. Where is that? Oh, here we go. This is in The Independent from three days ago. A mother said she was forced to give birth at home on her sofa with just paracetamol for pain relief because her nearest hospital maternity ward was full. Um, I'm not going to say her name just in case. She was told she would need to travel 35 miles from her home to a different hospital as her hospital had no room. She said, is this a joke? And she was trying very hard not to push after her waters broke. Speaking of her decision not to make the hour-long journey, she recalled thinking, oh, this baby's actually going to be born at home. This is my worst nightmare. At that instant, I'd never felt so sick in all my life as that sheer panic goes through you. With help from her partner, her son was born safely and well. She did this with just two paracetamol, he said. That's what I find astonishing. She did it by herself on the living room sofa because the hospital let us down. Astonishing. I mean, I'm not astonished. Northwest Anglia NHS Foundation Trust said it was sorry to hear the birth did not go to plan. The chief nurse said the safety of babies and parents is an absolute priority for us. And occasionally it is sometimes necessary to ask mothers to use alternative maternity units should ours reach capacity. This experience comes amid an NHS crisis with patients reporting long waits for ambulances and an A&E. I mean, yeah. So, oh, the same month, a 90 year old woman was forced to wait 40 hours for an ambulance only to be stuck in the vehicle outside A&E for the whole night waiting for an available bed. Like, you know how I feel about this. This is one million percent the government's fault. Think what you want about their plans to privatize the NHS or sell it or do this or do that. It's like we keep giving them money and they say they don't have any and they say they're doing everything they can to give it to social welfare and schools and hospitals and the NHS and everything else, healthcare. And then they go, yeah, but we just don't have any money. And then you see them all drinking champagne and then they come up with like a trillion dollars for something. They go, oh yeah. And then we just spent a trillion dollars like on a ping pong machine. We've decided to have a nine billion pound funeral. Whatever, whatever, you know whose fault it is. So this is why there are all these signs being like, please don't abuse our nurses. Try not to punch anyone in the face at A&E today. Just, yeah, there are women having babies at home. But you know what? This is why, again, I think that most of us who can take ourselves out of the game should. So basically, my birth plan is to have this baby at home. We have a midwife uh, who's a private midwife. It's actually very affordable. And she's on hand to like come to the house and do blood tests and do the things that she needs to do. Then they book in private scans for you and you go elsewhere to have those private scans. But mostly you just stay home for all the tests And because I have lupus, they're like, well, you should actually go to your local hospital just in case and give them a blood sample in case we need to transfer you there. A home birth always has a risk that we're going to have to transfer you to hospital. And apparently if they do a blood transfusion, they need to know your blood type. And I was like, well, good news. I know my blood type. It's like, oh, positive. And they're like, no, no, no. They need their own blood test. I'm like, what? I didn't even know that was a rule. What if you come in and there's an accident and they need to do an emergency blood transfusion? Well, that it takes 10 minutes to sign off their own blood test. And that's 10 precious minutes you could be wasting. So there are all these little like admin points in healthcare that I don't really understand. But 
I don't want to. Like, I just don't have faith in anyone understanding me or lupus or anything that's ever had to do with my health care. And I feel bad about that. Like, I know that people go to school for a long time and they're really clever nurses and doctors and everything else, but they happen to have pretty much all made many mistakes with me. And I feel like I can have this baby at home. I'm happy to have the midwife, but I also feel like I could coach Bobby through the twisting it out when it's crowning. (laughs) I've watched it happen now a couple times. And my babies are born really fast. I just love being at home and I want to try to do it at home. Two paracetamol, I've said before, I don't know what this country's fucking obsession with paracetamol is. It's your only medicine. Hurt your leg, paracetamol. Your head fell off, paracetamol. You guys love paracetamol and it's not enough. Gas and air would be brilliant. I want to do it here. But if I can't do it here and I have to be like emergency transferred to my local hospital, uh, I feel like that's, I'm going to ask if they will divert to the vet because the the dogs go to a vet that's real close and I really trust them. I think they give a great service. They are private vets. Um, So my first point of call will be, please, please, can you take me to the vet? And if they say no, I'll ask again. And then if they want to take me to my local hospital where anything could happen, then fine. I'm just going to have to be at peace with it. But that is the birth plan for those of you who have asked. And I think having a baby at home sounds like a nice idea. So this has been on my mind a little bit this week. And I never want to disparage a comedy club because I think they do God's work, especially now when it's quite difficult still to get people to support live comedy after everything that's happened There is a real financial crunch right now and an energy crisis and the tubes are striking all the time and we just came out of a pandemic and everyone's really sensitive and people are careful about how they use their time out. There is this wonderful comedy club in Covent Garden in London and it is called Top Secret Comedy and I've been going there for years. I haven't been there in a long time, but, you know, pre-baby and pandemic, I used to go. There's even a little baby picture of me on the wall, and um, I look so young. But part of the reason for that is when I do new material gigs, um, which is when we write fresh ideas or jokes, and we think they're going to be funny, but we don't know yet, so we don't want to take them on tour. So we'll pop on as a surprise to usually a surprise to an open mic gig or one of these London amazing gigs. Uh, Top Secret Comedy is like three pounds to get in. Lots of young people there. And it's a really good vibe. Like it's the what you would expect a comedy club to feel like, if that makes sense. Like loads of people packed in a fun bar. It's nice and dark stool on stage. You never know what comic's going to come. And when I do gigs like that, I don't wear makeup. I'm not like super glam for that. So that's part of why I look like such a baby in the baby picture on the wall, which I think was only taken like six years ago. But I mean, gravity's taking its toll. But so I went there last Wednesday. I thought, won't it be fun to pop on? And I had to film something for another show I'm working on. And Top Secret was so gracious to let the BBC cameras in there. So that was cool. But when I went in, I heard almost immediately that Louis C.K. had been on the Sunday before. You may know already that Louis C.K. admitted to uh, showing his penis with permission to colleagues, other female comics, people at work, masturbating on the phone. I think 
His official statement was, I masturbated at work with permission, which I absolutely love. I just think it's just funny. I've spoken about Louis C.K. before, and I've said that if you want to buy a ticket to see someone, I think that you should have that right. However, I do find it a bit disconcerting when these surprise mixed bill comedy club type rooms just throw him on stage. Because then that presents sort of a consent issue when it's a high profile I mean, assault, and then it is assault to show people your day. I don't think he was convicted of assault, alleged assault that he admitted to doing with permission. (laughs) Then I just think the people in the audience then have to make a choice. All of a sudden they go, Louis C.K. And everyone goes, oh my gosh, half the people at least are going to say, wow, Louis C.K. is so funny. I'm so excited. Wow, this is controversial. I want to see this. What's going to happen? This is like why I come to be surprised at this comedy club. But then half of the people are going to go, whoa, well, I knew that there could be any comedian on, but it sort of shocks me that it's someone who was (laughs) exposing himself to women and admitted to doing so and then continues to tour. He was at the O2 and he was at Wembley in London last week. People could choose to go buy a ticket and see him there. But he just appeared on this bill. And there might be some people who feel very triggered by that. Maybe remember their own experiences, hopefully not, of being, you know, having someone expose themselves to them at work. They might have very strong feelings about it. And it's very difficult in a crowded room of people to single yourself out, stand up and leave if that's what you want to do. Or it might just make you really uncomfortable. You know, I don't know. I just... I never pretend to have all the answers. I always have more questions than answers. But Louis C.K. showed his dick to female colleagues with permission, according to him. That permission is kind of dodgy because what do you say, really, especially if you're newer or you're a support actor, you're uncomfortable and this famous comedian. And he also says I wasn't as famous at the time. But I mean, I don't know. Who's to say that he has stopped exposing himself to women? Do we know that for a fact? I will say I've heard mixed things. I don't know. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. Let me just be straight. I've never met Louis C.K. But the message to us is definitely like, oh, this is an industry where we're not going to keep you safe at all. Like you're on trains at night. Your colleagues might expose them to you. Like what other job is someone like, yeah, I masturbated at work, but with permission. And I needed to know this, actually. So I did a little deep dive. There's a study. uh, When was this done? It was by chemist for you. Why are they doing this survey? They interviewed 2000 people, 14% admitted to partaking in some self gratification at work. That means 14%, according to this study of the sample interviewed of British people masturbate during work. And 22% of men have admitted, only 7% of women. So it kind of lands somewhere in the middle. 22% of men have masturbated during work hours. Um, Working from home probably skyrocketed that number up. 18% have watched porn while working. And the highest city to masturbate on the clock was London, of course. Yeah. And I mean, maybe this is why people aren't as outraged in different circles by Louis C.K. It's kind of like every female comedian I speak to is like, yeah, this bullshit is so annoying because it does happen to us. Our jobs 
are very dangerous because we're always alone on the road and in hotels and we're sequestered with men who are usually more powerful than we are. And you might be put in an uncomfortable situation. Um, And also you get canceled if you say anything about it. Like I have a friend, Jen Kirkman, who's one of the most incredible comedians in the world. I think she is so talented and she is so seasoned, such an excellent headliner. She has a podcast uh, called I'm No Fun with Jen Kirkman. But she spoke about her experiences with Louis C.K. And he asked her if he could show her his dick. And who got canceled? She did. Oh, Jen's quite difficult, actually. Well, we won't book Jen. Jen doesn't have specials anymore that are streaming like she used to. Louis C.K. continues to tour. The message very clearly is, ooh, just don't be difficult. And like, let's say, I think men also maybe put the shoe on the other foot and they go, oh, well, I wouldn't mind if a woman at work said, so can I show you my tits? Do you want to like have a gander at my fanny? But it isn't the same thing. It's more like if I, a very powerful headliner female comedian in the UK right now, if I cornered like a younger male open act and I said, hey, can I show you a bunch of pictures of my kids? And he'd be like, oh, okay, uh, I really don't want to look at pictures of your kids. I'm about to go on stage. I'm kind of trying to focus on my act. And then I was like, great. And then I started opening my phone and showing him photo after photo of like Fred on the slide, ultrasound pics of the baby we're expecting, you know, Violet's world book day photos. And, and he'd be like, mm, I really wish that I had said no, but I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I was trying to be polite. And oh, fuck, Catherine. I heard Catherine shows people pictures of her kids. Fuck, when's this going to stop? This makes me feel really uncomfortable, actually. Oh, I'm kind of cornered in this room. I really wish. And I'd be like, well, you said I could. I'm showing you pictures of my kids with permission. And then I'd get a reputation on the circuit for making men really uncomfortable. And I wouldn't get booked again. (laughs) People would be like, fuck, Catherine Ryan is so weird. And she always shows us pictures of her kids. We don't care how many tickets she sells or how funny she is. She's not coming on these mixed bills anymore. She can tour if she wants. Where like, you know, everybody knows what they bought into looking at those damn photo albums. But we're not letting her on these open mics anymore. You know, I don't know. I just don't have the answer. But I also feel like the comedy club, and again, I'm not sure whether they asked people or whether they put signs up or like, did they just show people a dick? Do you know what I mean? Did they put Louis C.K. on stage with permission or did they just surprise a lot of people who might have felt uncomfortable in that audience and just show them a dick? Well, I don't know. But it made me feel a bit weird. It made me feel like, oh, by me going on stage Wednesday, am I endorsing the fact that they just put Louis on stage Sunday? I don't know. Because, like, no one specifically bought a ticket to see us. But maybe that's what you're buying into when you go to these shows, I guess. And that's another thing that makes me kind of, like, uncomfortable about comedy. All right, you pay three pounds. You could see anyone. You don't know who it's going to be. It could be a huge TV act could be like someone awesome odd who knows it might be Kevin Bridges tonight it could be like uh I don't know or whoops oh my gosh it's that guy that I heard was showing his dick at work with permission and masturbating in dressing rooms in front of female colleagues oh what do I do now well I don't want to look stupid in front of my friends and stand up and what if I get up and I leave and he says something to me I don't know I don't know my my takeaway is I love top secret comedy but (laughs) wow the, the message is clear. 
towards women in our industry. And white women, by the way, we have fucked it. We can't complain about anything anymore. We ruined it. We're like kicked out. We had Me Too. People kind of listened to us and respected us in 2015 for like five minutes. And then we fucked it because we wore these like adorable pussy hats, like making the movement adorable should have ever been a thing. And then we got too ahead of ourselves and we started fancying serial killers and wearing shirts to say like, eat me like Dahmer. And everyone was like, what? No, white women, you have it good enough. Stop it. You don't have it the worst. And we were like, wait, we know we're just saying that we and they're like, no, shut up. That's it for you. And then they rolled out the Karen meme. And now we're done. And no one listens to us at all. And that's why we had to put Lizzo in charge. Okay, let's have some messages from our sponsors now. And when we return, I will answer your most burning questions. If you ever want to write me a letter yourself, that address is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be a question. Some people actually answer listeners' questions from the week before. Some people just have something they want to say, they want to be heard. You can write me anything you like. Please do not send a photo of your penis. Telling everybody everything at gmail.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss mom deserves better than a drugstore card this mother's day surprise her with a truly special personalized card from moonpig add your favorite photos a heartfelt message and we'll even mail it for you the same day all for just five dollars from mom to grandma we have something to celebrate every mom in your life every mom deserves a moonpig card get 50 percent off your first card at moonpig.com Okay, a very serious email to start. Catherine, I'm a 26-year-old woman. I need your help figuring out what to do. My dad has just tested positive for Huntington's, a genetic form of dementia that has a 50% chance of being passed down to the kids. Now, just to be clear on this, every genetic thing can be passed down. Like you have 50% chance of inheriting the gene, but that doesn't mean the gene's always turned on, if you get me. I think then you have a 50% chance of the gene being turned on. Uh, let me let me see. I gotta find out what Huntington's is. It's a neurodegenerative disease is mostly inherited, mostly inherited. Earliest symptoms are often subtle problems with mood or mental abilities, a general lack of coordination and an unsteady gait. Fuck, I have Huntington's. Uh, movement disorder. This sounds like me. No, it's a very serious disease. Um, the person becomes unable to talk and then the date decline in dementia. Symptoms usually begin between 30 and 50 years of age. Again, that sounds like me, but I know I don't have it. Um, 8% can start before 20, but it's typically inherited from an effective, affected parent who carries a mutation of the Huntington gene. Okay, so your dad has this. I'm very sorry to hear the testing process involves counseling as it can increase suicidal thoughts. But as I have a history of suicidal thoughts and anxiety, they may refuse to test me. 
which is currently awful as my dad is beginning end-of-life care. I will no doubt get my pregnancies one day, no time soon, tested, as I couldn't imagine passing this on to my future babies, but should I get tested now so my partner can know if I have it? Hang on. Should I get tested now so my partner can find out if I have it? He has been super supportive and watching what I'm going through with my dad has spurred him to plan our engagement and wedding, but I'm scared he's not taking on board how serious this is and how it could affect us later on. I just don't feel up to being tested right now, and I don't think they'd let me get tested anyway. Well, I mean, look, this partner knows about your dad, and presumably he understands the genetic sequence of Huntington, so he knows that the chances could be 50% for you. Like, that's on him, I feel like. I would never get tested for something if I didn't want to just for my partner, I don't think. And equally... If Bobby could potentially have something, but he didn't feel like getting tested, like I would support him if he wanted to get tested. And by the way, even if the doctors were like, no, we can't test you actually because you might get sad. It's like, I don't think doctors have the right to do that. I I mean, obviously I don't know, but I would just go to, if you change your mind and you do want to get tested and you want to know, because some people would rather not know, because guess what? You have a chance of getting hit by a bus tomorrow. We all have a chance of just getting something I know it's very different to be faced with like the actuality that you carry this gene mutation or you don't. But like, <clears throat> you know, I don't I don't think a neutral third party has a right to stop you finding out something about yourself. But you don't want to get tested. So I wouldn't get tested. Your partner has all the info he needs to make an informed decision. You can't treat him like a baby. However, Bobby K is on the scene with me for these questions. Yeah, I do know um, a family that I played football with back in uni that had Huntington's. Um, I think you'd feel better if you just got tested and were upfront with your partner. Again, you have a chance that it may not, you know, take or mutate or whatever the stat is, 25%. But yeah, I think get tested and telling your partner is probably the best thing you can do for your own health. Otherwise, you're kind of keeping a secret that may, you know, haunt you. Because... He knows that her dad has it. He already knows that. Right. So she's not keeping a secret. She doesn't know if she has it. Well, then if you're getting tested. She's not. She doesn't want to. But why wouldn't you want to? I don't know. Some people don't want to know stuff like that. It's a pretty scary situation, I think, especially as a young person to find out something like that that can start at a very young age. Mm-hmm. What would you do <clears throat> if you found out you had 50% chance of... I wouldn't get tested. You would? I wouldn't want to get tested. You would not. Oh. But I don't think that's the right move. (laughs) Really? Well, maybe it is. Look. No, it's not. Like, I wouldn't want to because I wouldn't want it to affect, I don't know. But if I had a partner, I would want them to know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would want you to know if I were facing it. But if I was just on my own, I wouldn't want to know. But if I had a partner, then I would want to know. Well, no. Okay. So then, as your partner, I would not want to know if you didn't want to know. It doesn't affect me either way. I know, but it would affect me, like, later on if I, like, got it or it, like, came. Oh, well, I would still find I'd you. I'd be like, oh. I'd marry you. Yeah, well. Being with you is a privilege. Yeah, Sick, but... in sickness and in health. <clears throat> Do you remember that bit? We didn't have those ones. Wait, remember when we had poison ivy <laughs> and I rubbed my arm against yours because I wanted to have what you had? Yes. Well. I love you. I had poison ivy all over, so you didn't. 
rubbed the right spots. Well, yes, I probably did. <laughs> Listen, I would not care. And you might get sick with something anyway. And I might get sick with something anyway. And that's what a marriage is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and if you didn't want to get tested, I would support you. I would not want to know. And if you got sick with something life-changing or life-ending, I still would not care. I would love you no matter what. This is what I think people need to hear from their partners. Taking Bobby's thoughts into consideration was actually very illuminating because I feel like now you definitely shouldn't get tested because it does not matter to your partner. And I know that as someone's partner who loves them very much, it doesn't matter. You don't want to get tested anyway. Bobby said if he was single, he wouldn't want to get tested anyway. So then leave it at that and just trust that your partner will love you in sickness and health. Here's an absolutely great one to have Bobby K in the room. Bobby and Catherine, why don't men like me? I'm struggling. A man that I went on a date with a week ago messaged me to say he thinks I'm interesting. Remember these buzzwords, Bobby. I'm interesting and cool, but he doesn't feel a romantic connection. Well, that was after he ignored two of my messages, left me on red, and had to straight up say, you can simply tell me if you're not interested so we are clear and I know where I stand. Also, he kissed me after the date, which I didn't ask for or expect. He then messaged me that night to tell me he really enjoyed the kiss, our date, and he hoped we could do it again sometime. So I feel slightly whiplashed at the sudden change of opinion. What the fuck has happened? Hang on. I'm just going to pass this over. The letter's not done, but I just need to see where we are with Bobby. What the hell happened? Wait. First, I thought, okay, sometimes dates don't work and he's not into you. But but then why would he kiss her, say he had a great date, and say also hope we can do it again sometime, and then leave her on red and all this other stuff and say she's interesting and cool? It's very simple. He's trying to get it in. <gasps> trying to find the easy road there. Kiss it and it doesn't mean anything. He's just like... What? Well, if you're going to go out to the date, show up, like, you know how much effort that takes? I would not kiss someone if I don't want to. You wouldn't, but a lot of guys would just be, all right, might as well try and kiss. And what's the worst that can happen? Nothing. And then you get to find out if you have sexual chemistry. Right. You have to find that out. And so, like, why wouldn't you just try? And if she's says no, that's up to her. Anyways, it's it doesn't mean this guy's in love with you. So I wouldn't take, like, someone trying to kiss you as anything. Like, I don't know. What? Okay, wait a minute. So let's say you have a bad date. Or, you know, a date where you think someone's interesting and cool, but you're not interested. Would you kiss them and then say you want to go on another date? I don't know. But this guy is obviously playing the field. He's, like, throwing, you know, planting as many seeds. He's trying to, like, grow his own little garden. <laughs> Do you think something happened, like, he had a few fish in the pan and right. one of them... Right. He's got lots of fish in the pan and like he's just seeing what sprouts up. And one of them maybe acted interested after, and then he's like, "All right, I'll cut off the others that I'm seeing." Uh, that's very possible, yes. Oh no! But it wasn't like he's like, I don't think he was showing that much interest. Like he's just like doing his thing, like he's living his life. Like after the end of the date, goes in for the kiss. My, why not? Like, what do you have to lose? I'm gonna continue with the letter. This Bobby, by the way, is how you make women feel when you do that. I feel depleted. All right. How's that make you feel? Your little fishing farming program. You started the fishing. I was doing my own farming thing. Okay. I've taken breaks from dating before and come back refreshed. However, each time I come back, I can feel my tolerance lowering 
I'm feeling let down a lot easier. I don't know how many times I can be rejected. I'm 29. I'm a lawyer. I think I'm intelligent, funny, not super attractive, but average. That's not nice to say about yourself. I bet you are attractive because everyone does that. They go, oh, I'm not. It's because you're looking at Instagram and then you're comparing yourself to that. I feel I have a lot going on for me, but it's not being seen. I know sometimes on first dates, the pressure and nervousness and excitement can get to me and I can talk a lot. Ironically, years ago, I was extremely shy and introverted and I didn't really speak on dates at all, but I found men liked me then a lot more. Interesting. I've been on several dates recently with doctors, lawyers, accountants, men who seem to have their lives together and they just don't like me. I think my self-esteem is decent, but I'm starting to think there might be something wrong with me and I'm not picking up on it. What are they sensing? I don't know what I'm doing wrong. The only men who are interested in me have been abusive and unstable. They don't share the same future wants as me. I know I'm young, but I'm not as young as the women who usually complain about being single. So what can I do? I want a relationship with someone. I want to share my life with someone. I don't know how much more rejection I can possibly take. It's definitely a personal thing when it comes to dating. They meet me. Then they decide they don't like the way I look or my personality. They don't like who I am. Although my self-esteem is generally okay, I don't know how much longer it can take such a battering. Whoa. You just have to take all the pressure off yourself when you go on these dates. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, if you're going on a first date, like, think of it as nothing. Like, you're just going out. Like, you don't have to, like, you know, figure it all out. But you need to, like, loosen up and, like, take the edge off. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, that's fine. But you can't go in, like, trying to, like, you know hit a home run on the first date just you know i think people get the first get to first base yeah people probably could sense that that's what i mean so like if you're just like just like like be a bit more chill like it's not gonna all fix itself in one date but just like like lower your expectations of that first date no 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 no, of the date and like you know it doesn't have to be the best date of all time but just like be chill do you know what i would say i think a lot of people do this is They, instead of, you know, if you've been rejected or you feel that you've been unlucky in love for a while and you are looking for partnership, you stop looking for what you were looking for before, which is someone you like, and you will just settle for someone who likes you. And I think that's always dangerous. I think as soon as you change your gaze to be like, does he like me? Does he like me? Do I think he could like me? Like, honestly, you lower your standards and you get like losers because you're like, Oh, this absolute loser will definitely like me because he's such a loser. And losers don't like you because they know they're losers and they end up with other losers or they're just not a match. And uh, I've had girlfriends in the past who, and in the present, I stayed their friend, even though I respect them less, who uh, (laughs) just, just like go, whoever likes me, he likes me, he likes me. It's like, who do you like? What do you like? Because you're more likely to be compatible, genuinely compatible with someone you like. I think you just have to look for someone within yourself. Whoa. That someone else will be attracted to. And then it'll find you. No, I didn't do that when I met you. I know, but I'm saying I think that's key. So like just be attractive within yourself, confident. Yeah. calm cool and then it'll become easier instead of like all these like silly kind of games that can come about 
It's so cliche, it is, but like if you feel happy in yourself, you just radiate this energy that other people want to be around. But also you're thinking clear, you're not like getting fooled or like yeah. these like, oh, he kissed me on the first day. It's like you know when you know. That's oh, all. also, also, as a final point, I just want to add, when you texted this guy being like, please just be clear with me and let me know if you like me or not, after he left you unread and blanked you twice, I'm sorry to say, in the future... When someone leaves you unread and blanks you twice, they are being clear with you. Like, that is all the clarity you need. You don't need to ask them, like, please tell me. Like, fuck them. Oh, great. Violet's here. Hi, guys. Ooh, this will be fun because we are having lots of chats about this in our family. Little rule to start it off. The uh, the email is called help with baby name. Violet and BK, do not say the baby names that we've been thinking, please. Okay. They are under wraps. Violet, you can say all of yours because we won't be using them. Catherine, <laughs> I'm pregnant too. Yay. My firstborn is nearly two and is called Isaac. I liked the name Lucas for number two. He is a boy and it goes well with Isaac, but my next door neighbors have a child called Luke. We're not close to them. Hence, we only just found this out. We don't want to live here forever. We're job hunting to move, but have been looking unsuccessfully for a while. So I'm scared we might be stuck here. My husband and I are teachers. Oh God. So finding names is really hard as we encounter a lot of kids and the names get spoiled. I can't imagine that. If you were a teacher, you'd find like so many asshole Tylers. I can't name a child the same name as anyone in a current class I teach. I'm class ascendant. So anything class ascendant. So anything too posh or remotely foreign will piss off my mom who's fiercely working class and Brexity. Okay, so I'm going to have to explain... It's a lot to unpack, Bobby said. I have to explain to the Canadians. When, uh, Violet, do you understand about this, about like posh names and working class names? No, not really. I mean, kind of, yeah. Like what's a working class name? I don't know. Yes, you do. Like Chantel or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You do. It's okay. Like Chardonnay. Oh, okay, fine. Like pistachio. No, that's posh as hell. Oh, fuck. Oh, fine. Some. Ah! <laughs> ah! Some of them. Some of them are so working class or so posh that they're interchangeable. Mm. Like pistachio. Oh, like Malibu Barbie. Yeah. An influencer's baby name. Sure. Malibu Barbie. A posh person's never naming their baby Malibu Barbie. Okay. So, BK, in Canada, we just name babies what we want. Yes. But in this country, there's like a weird unwritten thing about class. We don't have this in Canada at all. We're all sort of the same class. Some people have money. Some people don't. But like there's no such thing as like the aristocracy. We just don't have it. So like posh people will name their babies things like Charlotte, George, Edward, Balthazar, <clears throat> Pistachio, I guess, Xanthi, uh, you know, names like that. And then working class names would be more of the, I don't know, the like modern ones like Kaylee, for example. Not that that's a bad name. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that name. Oh, you like that name. So do I. No, listen, oh, we don't know what class we are. Class ascendant. Okay, so this means this woman grew up working class and she has married a different class and the baby is looked after by her Brexit working class mom. But, like, I just think it's not your mom's business if you want to name your baby. Jeff Norcott is a really good example of this. He grew up working class. 
He named his son Sebastian. And I think that is an issue in his family a little bit. Or it was at the beginning. They were like, Sebastian. And Jeff foresaw it maybe being an issue. But it isn't. Everybody just loves Seb, Sebastian. You know, like whatever you name them, they become who they are. Okay. So is it weird to give my new baby a similar name to next door's kid? I mean, how long do you plan on living there? Like, is it going to be Luke, Lucas, Luke? Like, I don't know. It's. I'm sure you have other options than Luke. If you're emailing in to have a concern with it, I don't think you're going to be happy with it. I'll just leave it at that. Oh, okay. Personally, I feel like you should name your baby whatever the hell you want because it says that you're not close to them. So why does it matter? Like, will she come over as soon as you give birth? Like, um, is that baby Lucas? Well, my little Luke over here thinks that that isn't okay. Like, no, they honestly, I don't think they'll care. Also, um, like, what? they're going to be big soon and they're going to have their own lives where neither one of them live with you. Yeah. Or your neighbor. And they're going to be adults in the world. Like you're a kid for such a short time. And then you're an adult for a really long time. So they might move to different countries and be Luke and Lucas. I don't think it's a big deal at all. And I really like it as a name. And I think it does go with Isaac. Yeah, I wouldn't deep it because like there's so many people in my year with the same name. Like um, I love all these people. I love all these names. There's like four Kiras, mm. four Siennas bunch of siennas but like they're beautiful names but they're just used quite a bit but it doesn't matter to those girls probably yeah so i like mateo i think mateo is really cute and i also like kai i think kai is kind of cute i think mateo you could steal mateo from violet that goes really well with isaac otherwise i think lucas is a slam dunk and i don't care that the neighbor's name is lucas all right this one is very triggering for the family right now even though bobby has body dysmorphia and he's the biggest hunk ever he feels like he needs to get in the gym more. So this is a very appropriate email. Violet, you can read it. Ignore my bad reading. Am I the asshole? Husband is unfit and Listen, overweight. Let me just stop you there. You go to a private school, you better read this absolutely perfectly. I will not ignore your bad reading. Uh, um, <clears throat> okay. Am I the asshole? Husband unfit and overweight. Dear Catherine, love you and your show, and you could use your brand of straight to- take talking jesus christ <laughs> fuck's sake okay let me start again stop it pre-lockdown my husband lived a really active lifestyle over the first year of lockdown we both got very here we go sedentary what's and sedentary la- what's sedentary um lazy a little bit but like sediment i know you did this in geography what does sediment do i don't land does land move around a lot no. What does land do? Stay still. Right. There you go. Sedentary means? Staying still. Yeah. Over the first year of lockdown, we both got very sedentary and lazy, but we put on a lot of weight. It's something that I've been working on undoing over the last couple of years, but my husband seems to have taken this on mode on full time. Okay. <laughs> go on. <laughs> Keep going. His job is now fully remote. <laughs> You're doing well. You're doing well. Why are you laughing at fully I'm so remote? Shit. No way. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. I'm You're just doing laughing well. at PK's reaction. You're doing well. His job is now fully remote and he barely leaves the house, so he hasn't gone to the gym in over two and a half years. When he used to go four or four times a week. <laughs> How many times a week did he go? Four or four times a week. <laughs> oh, Stop swearing. People will call the police. 
Okay. He has put on weight and it doesn't bother me. It's more of his health and lifestyle. How? <laughs> oh, I'm going to read the rest. Yes, mum, take over. Yeah, <clears throat> All right. He's put on weight. That doesn't bother me. It's more his health and lifestyle. He's always complaining about feeling ill, tired, having chest pains. That's a problem. And he leaves the house as little as possible. The thing is, he's really sensitive. And anytime I've tried to talk about it, it ends up with him getting upset and thinking that I'm just criticizing him. Do I need to just leave it? Am I the asshole to think about his health more and wanting him to think about his health more? So she doesn't care about the weight, but she is worried about him because he's saying he's sick, tired. His chest pains really worry me. What do you think, BK? Ooh, tough one. Seems like she's kind of mixed on his appearance and maybe using the health as a crutch um, to get him to looking hotter and more... She doesn't care about his appearance. Yeah, she says that, but... Why would you think she does? All right. So, game. Okay, yes, probably not the appearance, but it's also not attractive to be like a slug. So it's probably like him being a bit lazy is unattractive. And then also his body being unattractive is a real double-edged sword. So overall, yeah, I see that it's it's tough. It's both. It's like, yes, you're overweight now, and also you're, you're lazy, so you're not doing anything about it. Yeah. And so if you've got heart problems. Uh, I think she loves him. So do you think she's an asshole for wanting him to think about his health more? No, I don't. So how do you how do you broach that with someone Oof. sensitive? It's tough. I, he, they have to do it on their own, really, but. I would take him to the doctor, find professional help. If they say there's something seriously wrong with him do the kind of treatment but if there's nothing like really wrong with him and he's just overweight then i would like encourage him to go to the gym like a lot more to be like you need to go to the gym like this is getting really bad (laughs) no because every time she (laughs) says that he gets upset he's really sensitive i'd be like okay well stop being so sensitive (laughs) (laughs) well you don't want you don't want your partner to feel like they're being criticized look here's what she needs to do she doesn't want him to feel criticized or unloved or unattractive. And she still fancies him. She doesn't care what he looks like. So I think you need to have as much sex as you can with this man. Lavish him with praise and attention so that he definitely feels, you know, sexy and supported in the marriage. And then it'll give you a better way in to talk about your legitimate health concerns. No, he needs to be frozen out. Like no sex till you whip up in shape. Like, come on. If, he, if you're giving him like free sex... No, I'm kidding. But I think what you should seriously do is put a trail of Reese's pieces on the way to the gym to get him into the gym. Lure him to the gym with Reese's pieces, not sex. If you if you give him sex, he's not gonna go want to go to the gym. Well he'll be like, he'll be like I look fantastic. Yeah, I'm getting laid every night. I need to keep up this lifestyle. Look at my hot body right now. All right, well guess what? He'll be getting cardiovascular uh, exertion and he will get healthier you will sort the chest pains and his body image in one i'm sorry about these two fat phobics on the podcast <laughs> they don't mean what they're saying i think sex is the way is the way all right all right i don't get a lot of emails about crack and this one's called Catherine, the lovable crackhead that missed my wedding i hope this email finds you bobby and the tiny people of your household well that's you gam and Fred. Well, Fred's bigger than me. I can't lie. I honestly, I'm hoping you get this because I really need some advice. I've been friends with 
someone since the start of high school. We'll call this person Pistachio. We were both misfits and we quickly bonded over our shared sense of humor and I fell completely in love with her, admiring her confidence and uniqueness. Our home lives have always been very different. In many ways, I was much more privileged. My parents were together, financially stable. I found school easy. In many ways, completely ignorant to the level of maturity Pistachio had in growing up in a single parent household. Her single parent was an addict in an unstable home. Uh, She was the best friend I could ask for, being a constant and compassionate presence when I became disabled as a teenager. We went through every phase of life together, and although our paths differed more and more with time, we always found ways to connect. Five years ago, she gave birth to a baby girl. As the father fell short of the mark, I supported her financially and emotionally. Holy shit. I was there when she gave birth. I'm so proud of the mother she's become. I moved away from the town we grew up in when her child was still young, but made the effort to visit as frequently as possible and stay involved in both of their lives. This became difficult as my life became more adult, completing an MA and starting a career. Last year, she met a partner. She moved them in within four days of meeting and openly talked about the new partner's drug habits. As their relationship intensified, I caught her lying to me for the first time ever. She expressed feeling as though I was judgmental about the new relationship, and I still struggle with how much is being a good friend who's concerned rather than judgment. After a period of little contact, I invited her and her partner to stay with me, a chance to get to know this partner and reignite the friendship with her. Um, She turned up, having clearly lost a lot of weight in a short period of time and looking quite unwell. Uh Uh-oh. She and her partner were clearly using drugs in my house throughout the weekend. She has a history of addiction. So severe, her septum fell out. Oh, my God. So violent a septum. Is the thing in your nose. Yeah. How do you know that? Septum piercing. Okay. I also know the one in your mouth is smiley. Oh. Septum piercings. So if you snort like drugs up your nose then that will like melt away it's like an acid and your nose will collapse really I yeah didn't know that. i'll show you pictures of this british woman who's got her life together but she doesn't have a nose uh i mean i don't want to really call her out her name i'll show you michael jackson I know it. oh you do know <laughs> yeah. it okay it's sad okay she maintained she was clean and sober despite being the opposite It broke me to see her like this, and it upset me further that she felt she couldn't be honest despite our friendship being built on such solid foundations. So, current day. Last week I got married. It was the happiest day of my life, but with one notable absence. I had made an effort to include her in the planning, although she canceled any visits, and the communication was at times strained. She insisted she would be attending and wouldn't miss it for the world, whilst constantly looking more and more unwell in the photos she sent me. On the day, she didn't show up, and she didn't have an excuse. I'm so hurt by this. And I'm torn between trying to push the friendship and show my support whilst honoring my own feelings of upset and disappointment. I feel like I'm missing out on her daughter's life too. A little girl I love dearly. Where do I go next? What the hell's going on? You're so smart. You have an MA. You are really, you have a career and a great adult life and you just got married. How do you not know that a crack addict is not coming to your wedding? And you can't take that personally. She's like strung out fighting for her life right now. And God knows where her daughter is. Where do you go next? I mean, why did you think a drug addict was coming to your wedding? BK. Yeah. Um, when someone, I don't know how to like say this. When someone's doing crack, n- nothing else matters. Like you mm. you don't matter. I'm sorry. Like she still loves you. That's true. But like there's one thing on the mind and that is acquiring the sweet, tasty crack cocaine. And 
the weddings don't don't add up don't sorry match up to the crack yeah oh my god like no offense but you have an ma in what like how do you not know that this person is very very sick and please don't take it personally and i know you've done a lot and we've heard about that and you have supported this person and you've been a great friend but this person just doesn't have the tools to show you that friendship back because this person is so so sick really sick i don't know what you can do with someone who's like uh, apart from what i've seen on television which is organize an intervention like reach out because you know their family you probably have enough resources that you can try to get this person into treatment but like there's just nothing else you can do it is like a deadly disease addiction and violet i'm glad you could read this because crack is whack it is i know i believe like you should get like you should like as mum said ask her family for help because maybe she can't ask for help herself because obviously if she can't even show up to a wedding i don't think she can even ask for help and she's probably so blindsided that like she's got like a, i think she knows she's got a serious addiction but it's in result of this partner and it's probably hurting her daughter as well like how old is she mm, yeah you need to find this daughter maybe and yeah that's what i was gonna say you need to help her <clears throat> like even if it like hurts your friend i think you need to call someone and like get the daughter yeah i would think that you love this daughter you were at this daughter's birth and everything else this daughter's in a bad spot i would make sure that this daughter is looked after and like take the daughter in for a bit if you need to i don't know this is very very serious i'm worried that maybe you don't appreciate how serious a crack addiction is you're not going to wedding like there's a lot more at stake you need to call the police call the emergency services step in and we don't mean to like joke about this is no. super serious it is so serious. thank yeah. you for writing in thank you so much for listening to another episode of telling everybody everything i am on tour still in the uk this thursday i'm in woking and then it's half term violet look at that and then i'm in dartford october 22nd i am up north again in well i'm in canterbury and then i'm in leicester stockton on tees stoke-on-trent november 11th manchester november 12th and then i'm done so if you haven't come to see me yet and you would like to please do it that's the last time i will be doing my show misses i'll be writing a new show and performing that two years from now if i'm still alive so thank you for being at the tour if you have come so far i look forward to hopefully releasing it as a special soon you can also get my book the audacity if you want to please look after each other i'll see you soon bye Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com